Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are recognizing that unsettled feeling and listening to our restless hearts as we look for more. More meaning, more opportunity, more purpose, and more satisfaction. Unsure of where to look? You aren't alone. So many of us get stuck in the ruts of the day-to-day monotony of life. Time to make the donuts. I made the donut. Time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. I made the donuts. (laughs) What gets you excited about looking for more? Because the fact is, you have to want more to look for more. Maybe it's experience and adventure or learning something new. Maybe it's spending time with the precious people in your life and growing your connections. Whatever whispers to you that there's more out there than the routine of life, grab hold and ask for more. I think there are seasons of your life when you're naturally more curious. I can think of a few that I've already walked through. When you're young and testing the waters of anything and everything, you're always looking for more and more right now. During the nesting phase, I kept my head down and my more became time in each day, more money to cover the bills, and more help with the children. When I recognized a bit of autopilot mentality surface, I began looking for something to shake up the rut. For me, I love to create. Give me scissors, glue, paint, fabric, yarn, you name it, and I'm creating. It's therapeutic and satisfying. I also love to learn new things. I'm not an adrenaline junkie, so you won't catch me skydiving or bungee jumping. And by the way, if you do, make a call. I've surely been kidnapped. In the next season, I'm hoping to travel and see more of this amazing and wondrous world. What season of life are you in? James McWinnie helps us with six powerful questions that will change your life forever, found at tinybuddha.com. James said, A few years ago, I was lost, frustrated, scared, unsure, anxious, trapped, and unfulfilled, stuck in a dead-end job, smothered by society's expectations, didn't have a clue what I wanted to do with my life, I cared for myself enough to change my life, but I didn't have the slightest clue where to start. I spent my days wishing that things would change, that I could escape a life that my soul could no longer bear. The worst part of it all, I was living the life that society had always told me to live. Find a secure job, work hard, they said. Get a solid job and work your way up the ladder. I don't know about you, But it turns out that for me, the right thing to do sucked the joy out of life. Imagine feeling trapped in an unsatisfying existence, wasting your precious time doing things that you really don't want to be doing, being afraid to express your uniqueness, having fun on the weekends, then dreading the upcoming week. Maybe you don't have to imagine it. Maybe your life is just like mine few moments of satisfaction drowned out by a constant grind of work 
that doesn't fulfill you. Then something hit me. It was a proverbial hammer to the head. I've heard it before, but it had never sunk in. Then, out of nowhere, a voice in my head spoke loudly and clearly. Discover who you truly are and fully give every aspect of your uniqueness to the world. This is your path to an extraordinary life. I followed this wisdom as if my life depended on it. And I can tell you that my life has changed for the better since I followed this guidance. I can tell you without any doubt that the greatest piece of wisdom that I've discovered in my life thus far is, if you want to live an extraordinary life, it's imperative that you know who you truly are, and to do so, you must explore who you truly are. These six questions change James' life forever. They'll also change your life forever by allowing you to find your true self and in doing so, discover why you've been born into this great world. I'm not talking about the self that others demand you to be or the self that acts a certain way to fit in and conform with what society accepts. I'm talking about the true you. The you who wants to authentically express your special and unique qualities to the world. By answering these questions, you'll discover your unique passions, strengths, values, desires, and motivations, which are all yearning for your expression. You have a unique purpose. Discovering the answers to these questions will allow you to align yourself with that purpose and bring real magic into your life. Self-knowledge is the greatest knowledge that you will ever acquire. Why? Because your ability to fulfill your unique internal drive will determine your ability to fulfill your potential, which in turn determines the quality of your life. So grab a pen and paper. You may not be able to answer these right now, but you'll definitely want to revisit this later. We all have an unexpressed potential. The exercises are specifically designed to help you find yours. Number one, what do I absolutely love in life? List anything that you love about the world and the people in your life. Think about any activities that get you excited and enthusiastic and make you feel most alive. This can be absolutely anything. Music, sports, cooking, teaching others, learning, watching movies, anything. Within your love for these things lies deep passion. Number two, what are my greatest accomplishments in life so far? List all of the moments that you're proud of as well as the times that you've succeeded. To have accomplished these, you would have used some of your key strengths. See if you can identify why you succeeded. Also, list any activities, hobbies, or anything else that you do that you complete with ease. Within these lie the greatest strengths. Number three, what would I stand for if I knew no one would judge me? 
List everything that you would do if you weren't afraid, even your wildest dreams. This will help you discover your greatest values. Number four, if my life had absolutely no limits and I could have it all and do whatever I wanted, what would I choose to have and what would I choose to do? Describe your ideal lifestyle. List what you would do throughout the day if you knew that you were bound to be successful. What kind of person would you want to be? How much money would you earn? And where would you live? Number five, what would I do if I had $1 billion? List everything that you would really love to do if you had all the money in the world. Okay. So you would probably travel the world, buy a house or two, and give some money to your family. Then what would you do with your time? This question helps you to think without limitations. When we are able to remove limitations and boundaries, we can discover what we really want to do. Number six, who do I admire most in the world? List your greatest inspirations and the qualities that you admire about these people. Think about what really inspires you in this world. What you admire about others is also a quality that's in you. Know that you admire someone because they have similar qualities to you. Take the time to answer these questions and it will change your life. The more that you can implement your passions, strengths, values, desires, and motivations into your day, the happier life will become. You can study to become a doctor, lawyer, teacher, or anything else, but this knowledge will only take you so far. Meanwhile, discovering the deep wisdom of self-knowledge will ensure that your life is far more meaningful and fulfilling. I've got a feeling that it's what Einstein meant when he said, information is not knowledge. The most valuable knowledge that you will ever discover is always within. It's within you. That's the answer to the first question. Unsure where to look? Look within. Do you believe that everything you could ever need has already been deposited in you? You have the power to activate these at any moment. Bored? Go find something to do. Unhappy about your life? Take the necessary steps to fix what is in your control and the gumption to move on when you can't. Tired of your dead-end job? What can you do to move up or move on? If nothing, find something that you can do at night or on the weekends that will bring you more joy. Don't have any creative ideas of your own? Reach out to someone who does. My point is, let's not wallow. Wallow is the blanket of can't that will swallow you. Did you know that a few small behavioral tweaks can radically affect your level of success? Christina Desmarius shares some inspiration on seven proven ways to get more out of life found at Inc.com. Some people seem to have everything going on for them, right? They're confident, well-spoken, happy, and working in their career that they find fulfilling. If that's not exactly you... Take heart. You can proactively make several small changes in your thinking and behavior 
that can radically improve your level of success. So here are several to consider. Number one, take more risks. Risk takers make more money, are perceived as more interesting, and often are more comfortable in their own skin compared with people who are more cautious. This doesn't mean you should start gambling or taking up base jumping. Don't worry. What you should do is stretch the boundaries of what you find comfortable. In other words, say yes the next time you're invited to do something that you would rather avoid, like speaking in front of a crowd. The people around you will notice the change, and over time, more opportunities will present themselves. Who knows where they could lead? Number two, exude more confidence. Good news. You can fake it in a couple of different ways. First, mind your nonverbal communication. Smiling helps, as does good posture. In fact, slouching is nothing more than a bad habit you should vow to break. Second, tell yourself every word you utter is important and whomever you're speaking with wants to hear what you have to say. If you're an introvert, you've seen plenty of extroverts hog the stage. Now it's your turn. Alternately, if confidence is already your strong suit, Make yourself look good by taking genuine interest in the quiet types around you. Number three, don't worry that others steal your good ideas. Entrepreneurs often keep their good ideas under wraps for fear they'll be stolen. But 21-year-old self-made millionaire Alex Schalferman says this kind of thinking is totally unrealistic. If you've ever built anything and brought it to market, you know the kind of time, energy, and money it takes. Chances are, the people in your circles not only don't share your passion for the idea, but they're also not out to steal anything from anyone. Number four, do push-ups every day. (laughs) This is a hack for people who don't like to exercise. Start with just a few push-ups cheating on your knees. It takes less than one measly minute. Once doing that number is easy, incrementally increase your goal until you're doing 50 or 100 push-ups every day. Think about it. Bumping out five sets of 20 push-ups can cost you as little as five minutes. What will you get in return? Strong, toned arms that will remind you you're a winner every time you look in the mirror. Number five, stash a bag of almonds in your car or desk. Seems weird. That's going to help you have a happier life, a better life. (laughs) Keeping in the vein that health equates with success, almonds are good for you and will come to your rescue every time you're tempted to visit a drive-thru or vending machine because you're starved or bored. See what I said? Bigger picture. In short, eating less crap translates to a better you. There you go. Guaranteed. Just remember, nuts are nutrient-dense, so watch your portion control. Number six, exude positivity. Human beings walk around with an energy bubble or aura around them. Harbor anger, resentment, or sadness, and you'll repel others, which is definitely something successful people don't do. Having a hard time getting into a happy space? Blast some music, get some exercise, or make a list of 10 things you're most 
thankful for. Number seven, never be at a loss for words. Instead of ad-libbing when you bump into someone important, have a couple of thoughtful answers at the ready in the event that they ask you seemingly innocuous questions like, what's new? Or how's business? Also, if you tend to go blank when you're put on the spot, remember to slow down and think before opening your mouth. And never plan on being only a spectator in a meeting. Always plan ahead how you will contribute if someone asks for your perspective. A wise man told me, what you practice, you perfect. Where are you putting your energy? There are some incredibly effective whiners out there, right? You know some. Debbie Downer didn't get her name from one bad day. It takes 17 muscles to smile and 43 to frown. The amount of energy that people spend frowning extends far past how many muscles it takes to form a frown. Worry, fear, anxiety, and a plethora of negative emotions take their toll on a person because there are things that people find necessary. A big component of looking for more is to be aware of where you are and what you might be missing. I know you've heard about this concept, read it on a pillow, or pointed it out about someone else. But let's learn a little more about being self-aware. Dr. Tasha Yurek sheds some light on what self-awareness really is and how to cultivate it. This was found at the Harvard Business Review. Self-awareness seems to have become the latest management buzz, and for good reason. Research suggests that when we see ourselves clearly, we're more confident and more creative. We make sounder decisions, build stronger relationships, and communicate more effectively. We're less likely to lie, cheat, and steal. We're better workers who get more promotions. And we're more effective leaders with more satisfied employees and more profitable companies. Tasha said, As an organizational psychologist and executive coach, I've had a ringside seat to the power of leadership self-awareness for nearly 15 years. I've also seen how attainable this skill is. Yet when I first began to delve into the research of self-awareness, I was surprised by the striking gap between the science and the practice of self-awareness. All things considered, we knew surprisingly little about improving this critical skill. The major components of our research included analyzing the results of nearly 800 existing scientific studies. Dr. Yurik said, four years ago, my team of researchers and I embarked on a large-scale scientific study of self-awareness. In 10 separate investigations, with nearly 5,000 participants, we examined what self-awareness really is, why we need it, and how we can increase it. Our research revealed many surprising roadblocks, myths, and truths about what self-awareness is and what it takes to improve it. We found that even though most people believe they're self-aware, self-awareness is truly a rare quality. We estimate that only 10 to 15% of the people who were studied actually fit the criteria. Three findings in particular stood out. 
and they're helping us develop practical guidance for how leaders can learn to see themselves more clearly. For the last 50 years, researchers have used varying definitions of self-awareness. For example, some see it as the ability to monitor our inner world, whereas others label it as a temporary state of self-consciousness. Still, others describe it as the difference between how we see ourselves and how others see us. So before we can focus on how to improve self-awareness, we needed to synthesize these findings and create an overarching definition. Across the studies we examined, two broad categories of self-awareness kept emerging. The first, which we dubbed internal self-awareness, represents how clearly we see our own values, passions, aspirations, fit with our environment, reactions including thoughts, feelings, behaviors, strengths, and weaknesses, and how they impact others. We found that internal self-awareness is associated with higher job and relationship satisfaction, personal and social control, and happiness. The second category, external self-awareness, means understanding how other people view us in terms of those same factors. Our research shows that people who know how others see them are more skilled at showing empathy and taking others' perspectives. For leaders who see themselves as their employees do, their employees tend to have a better relationship with them, feel more satisfied with them, and see them as more effective in general. It's easy to assume that being high on one type of an awareness would mean being high on the other, but our research has found virtually no relationship between them. As a result, we identify four leadership archetypes, each with a different set of opportunities to improve. There are introspectors. They're clear on who they are, but don't challenge their own views or search for blind spots by getting feedback from others. This can harm their relationships and limit their success. There's also aware. They know who they are, what they want to accomplish and seek out and value others' opinions. This is where leaders begin to fully realize the true benefits of self-awareness. There are seekers. They don't yet know who they are or what they stand for or how their teams see them. As a result, they might feel stuck or frustrated with their performance and relationships. There's also pleasers. They can be so focused on appearing a certain way to others that they could be overlooking what matters to them. Over time, they tend to make choices that aren't in service of their own success and fulfillment. When it comes to internal and external self-awareness, it's tempting to value one over the other. But leaders must actively work on both, seeing themselves clearly and getting feedback to understand how others see them. The highly self-aware people we interviewed were actively focused on balancing the scale. Take Jeremiah, a marketing manager. Early in his career, he focused primarily on internal self-awareness. For example, deciding to leave his career in accounting to pursue his passion for marketing. 
But when he had the chance to get candid feedback during company training, he realized that he wasn't focused enough on how he was showing up. Jeremiah has since placed an equal importance on both types of self-awareness, which he believes has helped him reach a new level of success and fulfillment. The bottom line is that self-awareness isn't one truth. It's a delicate balance of two distinct, even competing viewpoints. Contrary to popular belief, studies have shown that people don't always learn from experience, that expertise does not help people root out false information, and that seeing ourselves as highly experienced can keep us from doing our homework, seeking disconfirming evidence, and questioning our own assumptions. And just as experience can lead to false sense of confidence about our performance, it can also make us overconfident about our level of self-knowledge. For example, one study found that more experienced managers were less accurate in assessing their leadership effectiveness compared with less experienced managers. Similarly, the more power a leader holds, the more likely they are to overestimate their skills and abilities. One study of more than 3,600 leaders across a variety of roles and industries found that, relative to lower-level leaders, high-level leaders more significantly overvalued their skills. In fact, this pattern existed for 19 out of the 20 competencies that researchers measured, including emotional self-awareness, accurate self-assessment, empathy, trustworthiness, and leadership performance. Even though most people believe they're self-aware, only 10 to 15% of the people that we studied actually fit this criteria. Researchers have proposed two primary explanations for this phenomenon. First, by virtue of their level, senior leaders simply have fewer people above them who can provide candid feedback. Second, the more power a leader wields, the less comfortable people will be to give them constructive feedback for fear it will hurt their career. Business professor James O'Toole has added that as a leader's power grows, their willingness to listen shrinks either because they think they know more than their employees or because seeking feedback will come at a cost. But this doesn't have to be the case. One analysis showed that the most successful leaders, as rated by a 360-degree view of leadership effectiveness, counteract this tendency by seeking frequent critical feedback. They become more self-aware in the process and can come to see themselves more effective by others. Likewise, in our interviews, we found that people who improved their external self-awareness did so by seeking out feedback from loving critics. That is, people who have their best interest in mind and will tell them the truth. To ensure they don't overreact or overcorrect based on somebody else's opinion, they also gut-check difficult or surprising feedback with others. It's also widely assumed that introspection, which is examining the causes of your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, improves self-awareness. After all, what better way to know ourselves than by reflecting on why we are the way we are? 
Yet one of the most surprising findings of our research is that people who introspect are less self-aware and report worse job satisfaction and well-being. Other research has shown similar patterns. The problem with introspection isn't that it's categorically ineffective. It's that most people are doing it incorrectly. To understand this, let's look at arguably the most common introspective question, why? We ask this when we're trying to understand our emotions. Why do I like employee A so much more than employee B? Or our behavior, why do I fly off the handle with employees? Or our attitudes, why am I so against this deal? As it turns out, why is a surprisingly ineffective self-awareness question. Research has shown that we simply don't have access to many of the unconscious thoughts, feelings, and motives we're searching for. And because so much is trapped outside of our conscious awareness, we tend to invent answers that feel true but are often wrong. For example, after an uncharacteristic outburst at an employee, a new manager may jump to conclusions that it happened because she isn't cut out for management, when the real reason was a bad case of low blood sugar. Consequently, the problem with asking why isn't just how wrong we are, but how confident we are that we're right. The human mind rarely operates in a rational fashion, and our judgments are seldom free of bias. We tend to pounce on whatever insights we find without questioning their validity or value. We ignore contradictory evidence, and we force our thoughts to conform to our initial explanations. Leaders who focus on building both internal and external self-awareness, who seek honest feedback from loving critics, and who ask what instead of why, can learn to see themselves more clearly and reap the many rewards that increased self-knowledge delivers. And no matter how much progress we make, there's always more to learn. That's one of the things that makes the journey of self-awareness so exciting. Let's listen to a little bit more from Dr. Tasha Yurik on three strategies to help someone become more self-aware. So what are three techniques or strategies to help someone become more self-aware? In the course of researching my book, Insight, one of the things we did was very exhaustively examine these people that we called unicorns. Now, unicorns are people that did not start out as highly self-aware as adults and made absolutely transformational improvements in their level of self-awareness. And based on the things they taught me, I can suggest three things. The first is really a mindset. It's to make the decision that I want to know the truth. That's one of the things in my book that I call braver, but wiser. Number two is simply to get more feedback. One of the things we see over and over again in the research on this is that other people can usually see us far more objectively than we see ourselves. The third tool is a little bit counterintuitive. A lot of times when people try to become more self-aware, they ask themselves, why? Why did I do this? Why do I want that? But what my research has found pretty shockingly is that those questions don't result in any more insight. So the tool I recommend is called what, not why. So instead of asking, for example, why did I say something so mean to my husband? You might say, what do I want to do to change our relationship? 
One person that's a great anecdote of what happens when you improve your self-awareness is an executive I worked with a few years back. Let's call him Steve. And although Steve thought he was pretty amazing, he was doing a terrible job of leading that function. His people were intimidated by him. He would start yelling and screaming at them with the slightest provocation. And he clearly had absolutely no idea how he was coming across. And once we went through that process of getting feedback from his team, understanding the things he needed to work on, things like asking questions, showing empathy, being compassionate, things that he had completely missed in his career to date, Steve was able to completely turn around not just his own performance and not just his team's performance, but the way his function was performing from both a sort of work attitude and a morale standpoint, and also, probably more importantly, bottom line business results. Love those strategies. And it wasn't until recently that I really felt myself becoming more self-aware. Before that, I felt like a bull in a china shop. Definitely a go-getter, but to what detriment? Being self-aware is about seeing yourself and how you relate to others and the world around you. Understanding your impact on others with what you say and do. Taking a step back and finding the rhythm instead of dancing to your own beat. The best way to find this muscle and strengthen it is to be involved with others, one-on-one or in a group. In a digital age, face-to-face communication may be more important than ever before. In fact, your health may depend on it. Susan Steinbrecher has uncovered seven ways to create meaningful connections that may save your life, found at Inc.com. It's time to put down your phone and go out to meet a friend for coffee. It just may help you live longer. There is a growing amount of evidence confirming that the trappings of wealth, fame, and achievement don't ensure a lifetime of happiness. One study in particular recently caught my attention on a TED Talk presented by development psychologist Susan Pinker. Pinker took an in-depth look at the lifelong habits of centenarians in Sardinia, an Italian island that boasts six times as many centenarians as the mainland and ten times as many as North America. Ultimately, Pinker's work affirmed that in-person social interactions were the key to the Sardinian's longevity. Face-to-face communication happens to be not only essential for human happiness, but could also be the missing link to some of the most powerful long-term health benefits. Face-to-face contact releases a whole cascade of neurotransmitters, and like a vaccine, they protect you now in the present as well as in the future. So simply making eye contact with somebody, shaking hands, giving somebody a high five is enough to release oxytocin, which increases your level of trust and lowers your cortisol levels. It lowers your stress. And dopamine is generated, which gives us a little high and kills pain. It's like a naturally produced morphine. This face-to-face contact provides stunning benefits, yet now almost a quarter of the population says they have no one to talk to. Pinker warns that social isolation is the public health risk of our time, yet we need a circle to lean on, and Facebook is definitely not the same as face-to-face. 
You may be active on social media sites and establishing authentic connections, but the challenge is to bring these connections off the screen and into real life. Building bonds with others takes time and effort. And as we get older, forming new relationships can feel like hard work. However, don't discount the everyday seemingly small exchanges with others, like a brief social interaction at work, when you go for a walk, or even at the grocery store. All of these exchanges can contribute to your health and happiness. But of course, it's the profound ties of friendship that have the most enduring benefits. The added bonus? As you work to expand your social interactions, you will in turn be helping others. Here are a few thoughts and suggestions to help keep you actively social and pinging the neurotransmitters that contribute to a long and happy life. Busy is not enough. Gauge the authenticity of your current social interactions. You can lead a busy life and yet experience feelings of loneliness. Put aside judgment. Keep an open mind. If you find yourself often judging situations and people, you're closing the door on potential social expansion. Say yes more often. Do your best to get out to social events and pursue the things that interest you. Commit to saying yes to the activities that most invigorate you. Challenge yourself to try something new. Create a social bucket list. Consider this your I've been meaning to do list. For example, have you always wanted to take up ballroom dancing or join a cycling club? Or maybe you have been thinking about reaching out to an old friend whom you've lost touch with over the years. Live larger and strive to live life with no regrets. Be mindful. The benefits of living mindfully with more awareness are boundless. Mindfulness enables you to more easily identify your strengths and weaknesses, get a better handle on stress, and become more sensitive to the needs and emotions of others. Step up. Armed with the knowledge that healthy social interactions is what the world needs, carry the torch. Do you know someone who would benefit from more social interaction? Reach out and try bringing people together. Start a walking group, a monthly movie night, or a reoccurring social event. Be neighborly. Little things can have an immerse impact. Help someone with their groceries. Open the door for others. Visit an elderly neighbor. Give someone a compliment. Smile more often. Make eye contact a habit. Not only will you be making someone else's day, you'll feel great about your efforts as well. A side note to my people pleasers. When she said saying yes, that didn't mean to everyone or everything. It means stepping out of your comfort zone and taking a risk. What we practice, we perfect. Let's practice a healthy balance. Split your time focusing on yourself and your own growth as much or more than you focus on those around you. Don't stop looking for more. Thank you. 
If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, look within yourself for more. Activate the power you have to learn, seek connections, challenge yourself, and grow. Satisfaction comes from knowing you are living your best life. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.